once you realize it's possible to do once, once you realize one person will pay you um, once, it gives you that confidence to be able to scale it. You're listening to the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. Whether you're ready to launch the side hustle you've been dreaming about, working to double your freelance income and go full-time, or just seeking inspiration from some of the smart, innovative folks I know, you're in the right place. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James, or at the Latasha James, if you want to find me on Instagram or Twitter or most other social platforms. And as a reminder, this is a video episode. All these episodes this season are gonna be video episodes. So if you're listening, head over to YouTube. You can just search for my name, Latasha James, in the search bar, and you should find this episode somewhere on my channel. And on the contrary, if you're watching, hit me up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher if you prefer to listen on the go. All right, so today I'm going to be talking about my revenue streams. I talked about this um, maybe a year or two ago, but some things have changed. Not really the streams themselves, but how much I'm investing, you know, how how important each stream is to my uh, total revenue and my business revenue. And the reason that I talk about this is because I think it is very important and I think that in particular this past year, has really showed us how important having a diversified income is. I'm so grateful for my diverse income, you know, especially when things like the coronavirus happened. So uh, I just want to share with you guys and maybe get some ideas going for you about different things that maybe you can try out doing. And I also want to be very transparent about how, you know, what percentage of my income each of these streams make up. All right, so number one, the biggest income stream for me is, and and this is a slight estimate. I mean, it's pretty pretty legit, but it's a slight estimate. Uh, You'll see very even numbers because I'm very bad at math. Uh, This is about 40% of my income. So it makes up the majority of my income or the, the biggest chunk, the biggest piece of the pie is client work. So that is work that I do through my company, James and Park, which can really range from um, social media management, social media ads, to content creation, video strategy, video work, things like that. And actually, podcast editing is another thing we do. Honestly, the majority of that 40% is actually video and content creation work, which is, you know, it, it is a big change from the last video that I did that was like this. And just from what my original business goals were, I really wanted to do social media management. That's what I knew. And like, that's what I thought that people were going to want. And I found over these past few years that I was not only getting more demand, but I was getting more money to do video work, which is, you know, what my background is. in. I went to school for video and I don't know, it was just kind of weird. It's weird how life takes you in these different paths, these different journeys, because when I was in school studying film and video, I was like, oh, I'm never actually going to make money off of this. I have to like corporatize this, you know, I have to do like the marketing side of things. And it turns out, I mean, I am doing marketing videos 
don't get me wrong, but it turns out that my creativity and my passion has actually made me a little bit more money than the social media management. Now I want to say though, for, cause I know so many social media managers listen and watch this podcast and this YouTube channel. I don't want you to think that I couldn't make more with social media management. It's just that I, I found that I was leaning into something different. I still get social media requests almost daily through my business website. So I don't want you to feel like you can't do that. And the big differentiator for me, honestly, in creating this content for my clients has also been that it's social first, like it's social videos. I'm not making films. I'm not making commercials. Even I am making videos to live on social media. So, um, yeah, that's the majority, you know, that's 40% my biggest income stream. Now, this is something that going to be honest, I'm pretty proud of, and I'm kind of excited about right now is the next biggest income stream is my courses, which account for about 30% of my income, my annual income. And this has really increased over the past year or so. And it's funny because I couldn't put my finger on why, because I did release one additional course, but honestly, like not as many as I want to, I want to have like a huge library of courses someday. And so I was trying to figure out like why this jumped up so much, but I honestly think it's just that I've been creating a lot more content. I've been a lot more social. I've been living my, uh, you know, my recommendation for people, for my clients and for you guys, like you gotta be social on social media. And I've really been spending a lot more time on my Instagram stories, talking to you guys in my DMs, in that other folder on my DMs, responding to questions, posting more videos. And I don't think I've actually increased the amount of videos a ton over this past year that I post on YouTube, but I think I've been really strategic about the types of videos that I've been posting. My most popular video this year, 2020, is how to become a social media manager or something like that. And that is, you know, responsible for a lot of course sales. I mean, a lot because it's exactly fits in the funnel. Like, I mean, it sounds so silly and so obvious, right? Like, you'll know what a sales funnel look like. You want the major, you know, as many people as you can get into that funnel. And then you want to drill them down to a paid offer. And ideally the message is going to be the same throughout the funnel, right? Like you don't want to get them into your funnel by, you know, a, a, a funny vlog and then try to sell them a social media course. Like it sounds really obvious, but it's kind of hard to do in practice. It really is. I mean, and I'm somebody who, I didn't really take my YouTube seriously and I still don't take it as seriously as I probably should. It's such a valuable tool. And I said that at the beginning of 2020, I, I even have it on a podcast somewhere. Maybe I can roll that clip here. I can make the most beautiful, amazing, entertaining video and people don't watch it. If I look at my YouTube analytics, I study those, I figure out why people are coming to my channel, what people are searching for, and I make a video based around those keywords, I get views, and those views turn into downloads of my lead magnets, and those lead magnets turn into calls which keep my calendar booked. But I, I said I wanna you know, invest more time and stuff into my YouTube because it is a really powerful tool and I wasn't using it to its full capacity. I'm definitely somebody who like, I wanna be creative, I wanna have fun with it. I don't want it to feel pressure, you know, like pressure, like stress. And I and I still feel that way, but I, I have gotten better about being like, okay, Latasha, well, you can have fun series, 
but you also need to make money from this thing to some extent. And not even that I need to, because as you can see, I mean, I make money in other ways, but why not? Like, why not make money off of a social channel or a medium that you enjoy? It's there. It's, and, and it's not just about money either. It's about helping people. Like if you have an offer that could genuinely help these people who are searching for this types of content, why don't you just give it to them? Like, it's kind of like a no brainer. So honestly, I haven't, I think I've run like two ads, honestly, like for rare, like under a hundred dollars, like seriously, like might as well be nothing. Mostly for testing purposes. I like to know what's going on in Facebook ads, particularly in this industry for when I do have clients that are in like a, you know, coaching courses, education space, I know how to speak to that stuff. So ads weren't responsible. I mean, they're probably responsible for 20 sales or something, but the majority of the sales were organic and mainly through YouTube. Next, I have Upwork listed. This is about 15% of my income. It's pretty small. I have like one client on Upwork. I've had a couple clients over the past year on Upwork, but I really only have one kind of long-term client. It's a pretty small contract, but we've just stayed on Upwork. I, I put that as a set. I mean, I probably could have put that in with client work. So maybe technically about 55% of my income is client work if you want to include Upwork with that. But I keep that as a separate thing just because they're marketed so differently. Client work is people coming through my agency website, James and Park. They are working with the entity, the company, James and Park, which typically my, my biggest referrer for my agency website is also YouTube or Google. Google, um, I've actually been doing all right in Google organically. I got some Google reviews and stuff. So some people do find me organically that way, but it's mostly through YouTube. Um, but Upwork is, it's like a marketplace. It's just such a different thing. And people are hiring Latasha. They're hiring me, the person really. I mean, it goes into my business bank account and stuff, but I mean, they're working with me. Like they're not hiring me because I have this big company. So I kind of consider it something a little bit different to some extent. And I think that it is, I, I'm really grateful to have an Upwork profile that is built up. I am top rated on there. Uh, whatever that means. <laughs> I actually did a, a, a podcast episode with Sylvia Pino and we, uh, we did dive into what exactly that means. So maybe I'll link that down below, but I am really grateful that I have that as an option because when, again, when things get weird, you know, when public health crises happen or, you know, you know, if I had a day job and I knock on wood, lost my job or something, I would have that to lean on. It's obviously not a gigantic part of my income, but I could easily scale that. That 15% was done pretty much with me doing nothing. Like I only really apply for gigs that I'm invited to. I don't really go on there and search the marketplace very often just because I'm busy with other stuff and I have other revenue coming in. But if I needed to, and I wanted to go in and search and actively apply, I think I could really boost that number up a lot. So definitely grateful for that. Uh, I think Upwork is a good thing to have kind of in your back pocket, just not my big, my whole, my whole, my whole pie, if you will. Next is YouTube at about 10%. It's very small. When I say I don't make anything from YouTube, I am not joking, but the thing I want to keep in mind here, and, and I'm so grateful for YouTube, honestly, every single month when I get that paycheck, I'm literally like, thank you. Like, this is so cool. I get to sit and make videos about stuff that I enjoy doing and get paid for it. I don't know. 
I'm very grateful for YouTube. And not only the, I mean, the thing about YouTube is it's not about the paycheck. Truly, it isn't. It is about the paycheck, <laughs> but let me explain. It's not about the paycheck from YouTube or from Google itself. The paycheck that I make from YouTube extends far beyond that 10%. And you've already heard me talk about it. Client work, mostly all comes from YouTube. Courses, mostly all comes from YouTube. So, you know, YouTube is an interesting platform because yes, it is like a job. It is, you know, I'm like a contractor or whatever for YouTube, but it's also a social platform. It's a distribution channel. It's a way to get my message out to other offers. So I always tell people when they ask me, Hey, I want to be a YouTuber like you, you know, I want to start making money on YouTube. I always say like, don't even worry about the AdSense. Like you need to have, if you're doing it for business purposes, you need to have a monetization strategy of your own that does not even take into account Google AdSense, which is the advertise, you know, how, how we get paid from advertisers. Don't even think about that. That's just like a sprinkle on top. Think about how you're going to funnel your audience into a paid offer. That's what I want to talk to you about. The ads and stuff is just, you know, nice to have. It's a, it's a couple bills for me, which is like cool. Again, I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. I think that's freaking really cool that I can take my YouTube paycheck and go buy a new camera or, you know, upgrade my computer or pay a couple of bills for the house or, you know, whatever it is, like that's super cool. So I don't want to discredit that, but it, in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty small. So speaking is kind of a new one for me. I had done a lot of speaking when I did my last video, similar to this, it, but it was all free. Like literally did not get paid once to do any type of speaking, any type of trainings or anything. And I think that there is a season for that. I really do. I am really grateful for all of the early experiences that I got speaking because I mean, maybe I'll tell this story someday if anybody cares, but I am so surprised still to this day that I have a podcast and a YouTube channel and I make money from speaking because growing up, I actually had a really hard time speaking. Um, like physically I was in speech class, not like public speeching, like speeching, <laughs> not like public speaking, like giving speeches, but I had to I, speech therapy, I think is the word I'm looking for. I couldn't say the word, the letter R still really can't had a lisp. I had a lot of like issues. I was okay. Like, uh, you know, um, I didn't have any, um, learning problems or anything like that. It was just physically, I had a hard time speaking. So it's surprising to me <laughs> You know, and, and I think that there was a season for me to learn because being somebody who was, you know, I mean, I was bullied and made fun of by kids because I couldn't say R, which I have to really strongly think about even today. So it, it cultivated this fear for me and this limiting belief that I couldn't do it. So I think there was definitely a season for me working for free for that kind of stuff because I probably wasn't very good at it. I was learning on the job essentially and I was I was getting better at it. But now that I am better at it, I can actually get paid a little bit. So I have had a couple of conferences, events, things like that um pay me to speak and I've also had some guest uh teaching type opportunities through universities through like mastermind groups and things like that. So it's a very small number, like about 5%, maybe 10%. It, 
uh, probably not it's like five to five to 10%, I would say. But it's something, again, that I can scale. And it is something that now that I know is possible, I think with any of these revenue streams, that's the interesting thing is like once you realize it's possible to do once, once you realize one person will pay you um, once, it gives you that confidence to be able to scale it. So now I know. And and I have some... Um, there's some precedent set, right? Like if I say, okay, this conference paid me 500 bucks, maybe not a lot, but it's something. The next conference, I at least know, I at least can say this past conference paid me this much, you know? And I'm not just kind of pulling things out of thin air. So definitely something that I could scale. It's not really something I particularly want to scale. I mean, I like doing that stuff. I'm really big on education, but I do feel like this year moving forward, if I'm going to put any more energy into speaking and like training and teaching and stuff, it's going to be to support my courses and just because I might as well funnel that back into me. So I definitely want to do more webinars and more like master classes and things of that nature, but don't particularly uh, want to be on a ton of stages. Um, I'm open to it, but definitely don't want to burn out on that stuff either. And that's the thing. I'm naturally an introvert. I can be very extroverted if I need to. I'm very friendly. I'm very like outgoing when I need to or when I want to. But that is also a very draining thing for me. I remember last, in 2019, I think, I did three speaking gigs in one day. I was like beat. Like the whole rest, the whole next week, I was like out of commission. I was so mentally drained. So anywho. All right. The next one is sponsorships, which is less than 5% of my income. It's a very, very small amount. I, this is one that I would like to, I I don't want to say I would like to eliminate. That sounds weird, but I would like to like rely even less on. I don't rely on it clearly being less than 5%, but I still take them just because you know, I'm grateful anyone wants to pay me for anything, I guess. And, you know, you don't want to say no to money. But I, again, I think I would like to really work on kind of becoming my own sponsor, you know, making up that small 5%, whatever that is in dollar amount in course sales or service sales or something, just because sponsorships tend to be a headache for me. And I don't want to turn this video, um, this episode into a rant, but yeah, sponsorships can be a little bit of a headache. I don't like having to answer to somebody for my content. So that's the thing that's really frustrating about it is if I, I get a video sponsored, I have to wait for them to watch the video, say the video's okay. And that usually takes like days. And then they need to let me know when I can post it. And like that usually takes days. And then my schedule's all messed up. And then I feel guilty because you guys haven't gotten a video or a piece of content. And it's like, I just don't like being at somebody else's mercy for like a couple hundred bucks because that's how much I'm getting paid for sponsorships. I I mean, the biggest sponsorship I've ever got was probably a couple thousand dollars and that was like a random fluke. I'm telling you, that is not the norm for me. It's normally a couple hundred bucks. There's a really good inf- uh, Instagram account, if anyone's curious, it's called Influencer Pay Gap, I believe. And they post a bunch of real numbers of how much people are getting paid for their sponsorships. If you're curious, if you're somebody who does want to do sponsorships and wants to get an idea of how, how much you can earn, uh, that's a good place to look. So yeah, anyway, my point is it's very small and I'm grateful that I don't have to, uh, 
I don't have to lean on that. Like that's, it's just, again, it's nice to have. If a sponsor comes to me, they want to sponsor a YouTube video and it makes sense with the topic and you know, why not get paid a little bit for your video? It doesn't hurt. And again, if it genuinely helps my audience, that's really important because you don't want to betray that trust with your audience, then why not? But it's not something I go out and seek at all. And then the last one is affiliate income, which I would say is pretty similar. It's like less than 5% of my income, pretty small. I did get one giant affiliate payout last year. I was so shook. I, I, it was a technology. It was like a tool that I used and I'm pretty sure they signed a big corporate contract from one of my videos, which was pretty cool. And when I saw that number, I was like, is that a mistake? Like I was really confused, but you know, I'll leave links in my videos, in my description box for tools that I use or uh, just things like that. I think this number is going to grow this year, this coming year, because I actually did a few courses for a company. So like the company paid me to create these courses. And then I also get, um, you know, affiliate money for what's sold. So kind of like residuals essentially from the course sales. So I have a feeling this number is going to grow next year. Um, but what else do I have affiliates for? Like my ancestry DNA video, I get affiliate income from anybody who buys an ancestry DNA kit through that video link, which is like so not related to my brand, uh, things like that. So pretty, pretty small. So I did eliminate nearly, nearly 100% of one income stream that I had the last time I did a video like this. At the time I was doing some commercial modeling and I still technically am signed to an agency and like when I say I was doing some commercial modeling, I mean, I was like being like the random girl, like uh, cashier in like car commercials and stuff. Like it was like not anything cool. I, I mean, I think it's cool. I, I like doing that stuff. It's fun. But I decided to not really do any, you know, take any of those gigs this past year, just because again, the thing about work like that is it is really fun, but it is hard work. It is to be like a cashier in a commercial, you are on set for 12 or 14 hours at least. And it, you know, it typically paid pretty well. I would get decent paychecks from those things. But I mean, my business just grew so much that I couldn't step away for 14 hours from my business to do something that I could make doing something else for myself. So not a priority, not really something that I was enjoying. Um, no, nah, I was enjoying it, but like I said, I just, I had to prioritize. I just didn't really have time for it. Whereas a lot of these other things, as you can see, you know, I don't have to like leave my house for 14 hours to do these things. A client work is probably the most time consuming. It's, I would say client work and speaking are like the most time, time consuming for sure. But like the courses, that's something that I can scale and it's already done. The work is already done. Of course, there's a little bit of work there with onboarding students, student questions, updating courses, you know, any type of promotion for the courses, but for the most part, they're done. Whereas, like I said, stepping out of the house for 14 hours is like a lot of time. <laughs> that I could be working on client work or making a YouTube video that promotes my courses and things like that. So other than that though, I think all of the streams are pretty much the same as when I originally did this. It's just the amounts have shifted quite a bit and I'm, I'm grateful for that because they've shifted in the direction that I've wanted them to. So 
every single year I do set goals for myself and for my different initiatives that I have. You know what? I just realized I didn't even mention this is client work also includes coaching. It must, right? Yeah. That actually includes coaching too. So I just realized that I didn't talk about that, but a big goal for me in early 2020 was to grow the coaching side of my business and, and the courses as well. So I I definitely did that and I'm really happy with that. So those are my revenue streams. I hope this was interesting. I hope it got maybe some wheels turning for you about how you could diversify your revenue streams. Because again, I think this is very, very important to have multiple things to lean back on. The idea is that if something goes wrong, if God forbid, you know, I couldn't do my business anymore or I couldn't do YouTube anymore, I wouldn't be completely screwed (laughs) for lack of better words. I would have at least some type of income coming in and I would hopefully have some insight on which of these levers I could pull. So I could say, okay, Upwork's only 15%, but I, I know that I'm doing barely anything to get that 15%. So what if I put an hour a day into looking for new gigs on Upwork. I could probably make up the lost income from one of these other streams. So that's kind of the idea with it. I hope it was helpful for you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps other people find the show and it helps me know how I'm doing as well. And, you know, just gets lets me get to know you guys a little bit more too. It's always fun to know who's behind the uh, iPhone or the laptop listening to the show. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to my channel. I post videos every single week, not just like this, not just about the podcast, but also, you know, weekend, my business vlogs and tech tutorials and things like that. So be sure to subscribe and hit that bell notification. If you want to be notified whenever I post and that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. And I will see you next Friday for a new one. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. You can also learn about my ultra exclusive membership community, the Freelance Friday Club. Oh, and if you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or throw me a testimonial over at latashajames.com contact. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.